Hi, Pip and Izzy. Um, so what does Me Too mean for me? Well, to be completely honest, and I don't want to sound cynical here, but suddenly listening to women's experiences has a cultural capital. And for me personally, um, so that, you know, I can, I can be at a bar talking with a group that includes a lot of men and rather than having to push and push and push to get people to care about listening to, to my perspective and my experiences, suddenly people are turning around and being like, oh... Maybe this is worth listening to. Uh, and that kind of uh, political, cultural and also economic viability of women's stories being heard is something I did not experience until this year. And that's really exciting. Welcome to Sistrionics, the podcast where we battle for Blasey Ford and lose our shit over Lucy K. This is Sistrionics. We are talking about... Me Too again. Me Too it's not too. over. Me Too, number two. What? It's not over? It's, it's, we didn't yeah. solve that problem. Uh, apparently not. No. Yeah. Saw that I, coming. Well, do you know what? I've been... I am kind of staggered by the fact that it was a year ago. Only... Sorry, not even a year ago. It'll be a year in two weeks' time that that New York Times piece about Harvey Weinstein, that that story broke. That was, that was in October of 2017. And wow. you think like, Jesus... I just I find that staggering. It feels like a different feels like a different world almost. Yeah, and I I so I was like and I did I did a little timeline for you today. That's kind of because line. I was like I just thought it was staggering. I was trying to get in my he- get my head around like some of the bigger stories that have come out and it's quite it's very much my kind of um timeline of, you know, what had what's happened since that story obviously quite a lot happened before that story but if we go from like you know that new york Times piece new york times piece about weinstein the next month you had the accusations against kevin spacey Mm. um and then the next month you had accusations of sexual misconduct against against louis ck um things like the nobel prize for literature being cancelled because of sexual abuse scandals dating back 20 years um, nearly in the US in Alabama they nearly elected an actual paedophile Roy Moore uh, exactly how could we forget I remember Roy Moore um, with his leather waistcoat <laughs> um, and then um, you had um, in January the Times Up um, setting up of a legal defence fund also in January you had the Babe article about Aziz Ansari which made everything a lot more complicated and a lot of grey areas about consent and that kind of thing also in January, you had a big case in the US about the um, USA gymnastics team and the doctor, Larry Nassar, was eventually sentenced to 40 to 175 years in prison after hearing the court impact statements of 156 women, uh, including three Olympic medalists, including Gabby Douglas, Ali Reisman and Michaela Moroni. Um, big scandal at that university. In April of 2018, Bill Cosby was convicted after a mistrial a year earlier. Uh, and that was because there was not well I don't know was it because we'd had the Me Too movement who knows that's um that's a question what, that they had a successful conviction they had this a, time around exactly because early in 2017 he was there was a mistrial um, and they'd had one woman um corroborate the story of a woman called sorry a woman called 
Andrea Constand, um, because a lot of his earlier um, accusers, there's obviously the statute of limitations and they'd kind of run out. So he's just been convicted today, we've seen. Well, sorry, he wasn't convicted today. He was convicted in April, but he was charged... Sorry, he was sentenced today. um, Yeah, news just in. News just in today. Um, So that happens in April of 2018. Um, And then... um, So what was it? Three to... 10 years? 3 to 10 years, I think. Or 3 to 8 years, I think. No, no, I think you're right. I think it was 3 to 10. Sorry. I think it was 3 to 10 years. Um, it's seems... because it's it's because it's one woman. Because they're only, they've only convicted him on the case of this sexual assault against one woman, Andrea Constant, in, um, I think it was 2004, um, when she was um, playing basketball for um, his alumni university um and that kind of thing um so yeah that's obviously not that long ago some of the but the conviction was was um strengthened by five other women coming forward and recounting their experiences of this pattern of behavior with bill cosby mm-hmm. um and then in um 2018 <laughs> i have here r kelly's music removed from spotify <laughs> um because um, even though people had known about his behaviour and there had been video recorders, recordings of him having sex with 14-year-old girls, um, that he was he was still a thing. Well, I also wanted to get in that in June of t- uh, 2018, Weinstein was indicted in New York, of course. In July of 2018, five former wrestlers sue Ohio State University, um, accusing officials of knowing that a team doctor who committed suicide actually in 2005 uh, was abusing student athletes, um, young men from the late 80s to the mid 90s, uh, and they and many of these men cited witnessing the Larry Nassar case as their catalyst for realizing that you know that actually this had happened to them and it was their Me Too movement uh, moment as well. Um, and then July the 9th, 2018, Brett Kavanaugh is nominated to the Supreme Court. And on the September the 14th, accusations of sexual misconduct against Kavanaugh are made public. And now that seems to be all we can talk about. And it seems like this Kavanaugh case is becoming this this battle for this. I saw a horrific tweet from a horrific woman today who's a, like a, I think her name's Candace Owens or something. She's like a conservative whatever commentator saying like this is me too gone far too far blah 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 but it made me think of like you know when we first recorded you know you made us you made a point about you know the me too movement kind of being this kind of release and being this you know we're not screaming into the chasm anymore um and i totally agree with that and i think you were right then to, to be saying that that's what it did feel like it did feel like and i'm i'm seeing that a lot more and i've seen it with women i've known and women i know in my family older generation women saying like do you know what this happened to me and i didn't it wasn't you know it was a bit of a gray area and oh now i'm now i'm really pissed off you know and and now you're, you're seeing it and that's that's women in their 60s and in their you know and and really kind of recognizing this and it's like yeah you feel like you're not you're not shouting into a chasm but with this Kavanaugh case do you think yeah we're not shouting into a chasm but are we being confronted with the fact that maybe we're not we're just no one gives a shit uh no I don't think we're being confronted with that in the slightest Mm. I think what's interesting about Kavanaugh is that it felt like an existential threat to women already 
you know, before the sexual allegations came out, Kavanaugh felt like an existential threat to women's rights in America because what he was going to do when he came in was he was going to be that fifth conservative judge on the Supreme Court who was going to pass a bunch of legislation that would take away women's rights to gain access to abortions, to gain access to family planning, to gain access to all of these things. You know, basically people said that as soon as he's confirmed you know, at least 20 federal states were going to um, ban abortion and ban access to family planning services. It, and so he, he all, honestly, he Already felt was. before like an existential threat mm-hmm. to the rights of women in the United States. And the fact that he's so young, you know, like, well, relatively young, he's 54 years old, I think. So he was going to be on that court because, you know, they live long now. Mm. They live really long, especially mm. the rich ones. He was going to be on that court for maybe another 40 years, potentially. That's 40 years worth of legislation that he would have had under his thumb. And that is a, that was a terrifying notion for so many people. And when it first came out, the allegations, it didn't surprise me in the slightest. Yeah. There was part of me beforehand that was like, he could be me too. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. he's such a horrible, oh, like, just horrible character yeah. who can't admit to things who was very shady about his past in the Bush administration you know not honest not forthcoming yeah. not you know someone who necessarily owned his past or had the, the want to be totally frank about what had happened previously in his career you know a lot of you know shoving stuff through getting yeah. it through all of the senate judiciary committee in order to basically like railroad this guy it felt like he was a dodgy salesman mm-hmm. before the accusation comes out this accusation comes out on september the 14th happy birthday me yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> i turned 30 and brett kevinar's that Kavanaugh's uh, Supreme Court nomination gets, um, you know, put into jeopardy. I thought that was a brilliant birthday present. Um, but yeah, it felt like, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And the the woman who co- came forward, um, Christine Blasey Ford, she claims that, um, that Brett Kavanaugh, um, back when he was 17 years old, I think, and she was a bit younger, at some kind of high school house party, uh, he tried to basically rape her. Um, he was on top of her, like, trying to take off her clothes. She was um, pushing him away. He actually, at one point, was, like, throttling her, holding her head down so that she couldn't scream, putting his hand over her mouth. And she even said she thought that he might accidentally kill her. And there was another man in the room at the time, another boy, I should say, like, in the room at the time, a man called um, Mark Judge. Um, and I just think, why would you add that detail? Mm. You know, if yeah, it's not yeah, true, yeah. why would you add that detail? Yeah. Why would you put someone else in that room who could just deny yeah. it completely like why would you add a witness unless it was true sure. it doesn't make any sense yeah, that it's, she it's would a be hell lying of a risk it. yeah. it's a hell of a risk yeah. and so she comes out with these allegations and my immediate reaction was you know i believe her number one and number two i think there's probably a bunch more yeah you said that to me a few days ago and i was like yeah you're you're right you know where are the others and there has been and i think um I was thinking today, I was thinking, I was like, right, come on now, you know, because we can never be completely, we're always, you know, tainted by our our standing and, and, you know, who we are and whatever. But I was thinking, I was like, right, you know, objectively now, if you were looking at this this and you thought, well, you know, without all of the the existential crises that Brett Kavanaugh brings to women in the US, 
um, and arguably the Western world, you know, looking to the US as this kind of, you know, trailblazer of, you know, Western democracy, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, when would a woman come forward about a story like this? Mm-hmm. Because people, because all these, you know, right-wing commentators are saying like, oh, how convenient. And you're like, do you know what? It would be now because you, of course you wouldn't want to talk about it for a long time. And yes, there's proof that she talked about it with her marriage counsellor and with her husband in 2012. Mm-hmm. And it's like, actually, you, you, this guy would be this horrible, ugh, this gross guy. Yeah, horrible, horrible thing happened. And yeah, it kind of messed me up for a long time. But yeah, you know, kind of don't have to really think about it. Oh, shit. He's on the fucking Supreme Court. Uh, or he might he he might get there, and what he's going to do there is basically what he's going to do there is awful. The and of women. so yeah, of course it would. Of course you would write a letter. Yeah. Of course this year you'd say no. That's enough. It makes absolute sense to me. And I I was you know again trying to be like oh you know try and be very objective about it, and it's like no, it makes absolute sense that she would come out now. But of course, and also like pre me too. This happened all the time. Yeah. You know, like we, I think women just were conditioned almost to just take this as being, you know, like something that happened to all women. And I, I, I don't know a single one of my female friends who I've actually like had, you know, in-depth conversations with about this. Like everyone has a Me Too story. Every single woman I know has a Me Too story. And I wondered actually, I wanted to ask you this because you've been researching a lot about this, this stuff. Do you, you know, do we think had this happened, I I thought it was quite funny, almost kind of comical, that in the days after the accusations, there was that that letter of 65 women Mm. who came out and said, Brett Kavanaugh's great. Mm -hmm. And everyone was like, and then actually it came out that like, they just like, yeah, that was a bit dodgy. Also, I can't think of sixty-five women from from high school, and it wasn't that long ago. He went, to and an I went all, to an all-girls school. Yeah, he, went, he went to <laughs> yeah, an all-boys yeah, school. So, mm, doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, but what I thought was quite funny was that that was the obvious conservative reaction to an accusation like this. And would that have worked a year and a half ago? Maybe. Would that have worked two years ago? Well, and now, do we see that's not going to cut it anymore yeah well it's the classic defense like i can't be a racist because i've got a black friend Mm -hmm. you know it's like well of course you can be a racist and still like have friends who you know are people of color like it doesn't the the things don't negate each other they don't cancel each other out yeah like of course he didn't rape every single woman he came into contact with you know i mean like congratulations like you've restrained yourself (laughs) again really low yeah really low because like the new allegations that are coming forward uh firstly that the penis in the in the face yeah. incident um with a woman called deborah ramirez so she uh, claims that he exposed himself during a dorm party um at university so he exposed himself and put his penis into her face laughing at her and then you know as he was sort of pulling away and, and pulling up his um pants like she could she remembers hearing the chants of like Brett, Brett, Brett Kavanaugh. Oh god. Um the name also the name <laughs> Yeah, Brett. Ugh. But anyway, not to not no to offense, Brett, Brett. <laughs> Not to Brett Shame or anything like that. I'm sure they're not not all rapists. But since then, I think it was yesterday or the day before, this is just such a like fast moving yeah, yeah, story yeah. now. And I I think this has got the Me Too momentum. It yeah. feels like yeah. a proper like Me Too takedown. You know, Michael um Avenetti 
Avenatti, however you pronounce it, um, he's come out with some very serious, absolutely disgusting, makes me sick to my stomach to think about this, um, allegations that he is apparently representing um, a few clients, like multiple clients, but one of them is described as a victim and witness to um, basically these parties that would happen where these house parties that would happen where Mark Judge and Brett Kavanaugh would be part of a group of men who would drug and, um, you know, make women very drunk, take them to an upstairs bedroom and then have a train outside the bedroom door going in one by one and raping her. So gang rape, essentially. And he was either basically complicit in allowing that to happen or actually participating in those things and you just think this is the guy mm. this is the guy who that republican party are trying to steamroll yeah. into the position of supreme court for justice for life and do you know what i am really sick of as well um is the whole he's a good family man and you're like the fucking SS were really good family men yeah well. they loved their kids they did they loved their they kids they loved their dogs they yeah. love their wives. They were really kind to them. And what makes me... That's it. But that's it, though. Like, you know, you we sort of automatically sort of jump to the Nazis because yeah, they, yeah. they are... But this is very, very ordinary. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's, that's an important thing to get across when it comes to Nazi history. It's also a really important thing to get across. They're not monsters. To, they're not monsters. They're do, but they're men. They're men. And they're doing horrific things. Yeah. And I think that this basically shows, like, if you allow a culture where women are constantly demeaned and constantly, like made out to be lesser human beings and less worthy of respect and less worthy of um you know kindness towards them and basically the respect to leave them alone and not rape them like they're they're going to be in harm's way yeah. because yeah. that sense of entitlement is so strong yeah. so incredibly strong and it's something i'm finding really frustrating about having conversations post me too and I'm, I'm kind of putting the watershed at the like my watershed is kind of the nyt like as i say this like weinstein kind of story so if you say like from october last year mm. i'm finding it really fucking frustrating with these men and the performative feminism as i'm seeing it referred to which is like yeah yeah well, well of course yeah, yeah of course yeah of course you know women uh, you should, should you know need equality obviously 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 and it's like stop fucking performing feminism at me. Mm. And I saw this really good tweet from a woman who was like, stop performing feminism, talk to other men. Yes. Like, and it, it would just... Well, that was Louis C.K., wasn't it? He was a great... He used feminism in his... He used us in his comedy. Absolutely. And then he abused us backstage. Exactly. And it's just, it's so, it's so annoying. And it, it's getting... And again, because we're not people... I just, that, that's what, it, I keep coming back to the fact that when I've had conversations again with really nice men, who, when they're like, oh, but you know, now that you're going to have to sign a consent form to even just go on a date with a woman and blah, 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 blah. And you're like, Jesus Christ, mate, if it was fucking simple as signing a consent form and, and that would eradicate rape. Do you know what? Do it. But don't worry. <laughs> you're all still in power and you don't have to do that yet. You know, and you never will because you'll always still be in power. And you're just like, and and oh, I want my awkward moment when I go on my date. And like, no, no, no. It's like, Jesus Christ. They just have, I think a lot of men have this narrative of romance. Mm. And it's dominant because mm. they're the ones who've been making the films for yeah. the last 
50 years. What's interesting, though, is I think... um, So I had a a friend of mine uh, who's a guy and someone who has always treated me and any woman that I've ever seen him with with the utmost respect. And we were having a conversation about... Well, it was at the start of all the Me Too stuff. I think it was maybe November last year. And he was saying, you know, me and a few guy friends, we've been talking stuff over. And some of my guy friends say, you know, they just don't... They don't know really like what's right and how to behave. And, you know, maybe, you know, I kind of feel... And I was like, I just stopped him and I was like, you know, you personally, I know you, I've seen you with other women, you know how to behave. And he said, well, yeah, I guess I... And I was like, that's not a compliment. That's just an observation. You know how to behave around women. And he was like, yeah. Yeah, I guess I do. And I was like, there you go. No consent form. No, I don't know how to behave. No, I don't know what's right anymore. It's, you know, and you're taking advantage of a power dynamic when you don't abide by the rules of, you know, societal engagement. Like they do know exactly what's right and what's wrong. When someone's recoiling, when someone's tensing up, when someone's, you know, basically not reciprocating what you're doing to them when someone's turning away their face i mean in any other circumstance you can read those emotions in a split second but for some reason when it comes to sex it's turn a blind eye for at least 15 minutes and if they really are persistent in this no stuff maybe i'll stop but you know the more nefarious ones are like absolutely not i'm just gonna carry on and then pretend like i didn't know where the line was because they know they because you because you're there for me and if I did have to think about stopping and asking for consent, I'd have to see you as a person. Mm. And I don't I really want to see you as a person. I want you to be here for my gratification. Yeah. And that's it kind of frustrates me because I do feel like, you know, in my timeline there, I really fell down the hole of looking at that Ohio State case with these young male wrestlers mm. um who had been sexually um abused by a doctor and how it's a very different dynamic because of the shame that they feel is quite different, especially being in being in an Uber macho environment. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like I have to be like, guys, look, 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 it happens to men. Look, look, isn't that terrible, guys? And I feel really frustrated with myself for having to you know and having to be like to shine a light on its oh it happens to men too so you should care you should always have cared hi pip and izzy um this is Sema. so the main takeaway from the me too moment for me was that it changed the perception around survivors of sexual assault and abuse um a lot of us came up with our stories and people saw despite the hardship we've been through we're still um, creators, caretakers, doctors, satellite engineers, researchers. So um, I think this perception around survivors of sexual assault are broken for life uh, was um, cracked with the Me Too movement because people realized that despite everything, um, women are resilient and powerful and strong and beautiful um so it 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 empowered me being a part of that mass movement this has happened before pip did you know tell me did you know sexual harassment didn't get born in 2017 pip 
actually Whoa. there was some sexual harassment that went on before that yeah, and right. there was actually quite a lot of attention shone on sexual harassment and quite a lot of attention on how to solve the problems of like extreme sexual harassment especially in the workplace back in the 90s well before that as well but there was a big sort of focus on it back in 1991 and 1992 um after the case of anita hill coming out and making allegations against another supreme court nominee oh symmetry i like that exactly a man called clarence thomas right. who was up for a supreme court nomination and, and he got it because right? I, 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 I don't know much about this I, i've seen it obviously um but you're going to tell me. He got confirmed in the end, mm-hmm. um, but she was subjected to eight hours of grueling testimony in front of a panel of all male judiciary committee, including people like Joe Biden. He was asking horrendous questions to this woman who had said time and again, you know, these are stories that I didn't necessarily want to elaborate on during a police interrogation because I found it or or in front of the FBI because I found it too embarrassing the fact that that woman stayed on that stand and sat there for eight hours with a poker face Mm. an incredible you watch this senate hearing you think how did you You do do that how did you do that and I think it was partly because she's a woman of color and she also said in interviews later that she had you know, she'd been subjected to, of course, like a lifetime of sexism, a lifetime of racism, a lifetime of people basically like judging her for her sex, her appearance, her race. And that had kind of hardened her to these accusations of falsehood. And, um, but in 1992, a year after the Anita Hill, um, uh, hearings, basically what happened was that you had the largest number of women, going for office and uh, trying to be elected for uh, positions in in public office. And it was the year that five female senators were elected Mm. to office and one of them actually cited the Anita Hill, um, watching the the Anita Hill hearings as a reason that she was encouraged to run for Senate in the first place. That, I think, is one of the... has been one of the massive catalysts. You know, when it came out about Harvey Weinstein, all of the things that he was doing... I think people were just like, no. Yeah. Like, we are fucking sick sick of it. it. I do think, I do feel like in conversations I've had relatively recently, yeah, I am starting to see very, again, usually generally very lefty vocal men um, shut up a little bit. And I'm I'm glad of it. You know what? You can sit this one out for fuck's sake. (laughs) You don't have to have an opinion on this. You can just, you can just be quiet on this one. And no, don't worry about it as long as you've not sexually assaulted someone. Yeah. Yeah. Because actually, I, I know plenty of men who haven't. Yeah. And and, and th- that's okay. If you're worried about being alone in a room with a woman... Like Mike Pence. Like Mike Pence. <laughs> if you're worried about that, if that's something that worries you, then clearly you have impulse control problems. Yes, yeah, yeah. And you should get that sorted yeah, out. Yeah, I would see you a, know? a doctor. If you're not, like, sexually abusing women behind closed doors when you're alone in a room with them you don't need to bloody worry yeah and if you feel like that's not possible for you to do then you need to check yourself into some kind of clinic and get that impulse control sorted the fuck out yeah hi pip and izzy i think the me too movement has made men afraid I've heard so many of the versions of, oh, I can't even talk to women anymore. I'll be accused of assault. And a lot of women are rushing to convince men that this isn't true. And I say, good, 
be afraid. It's not difficult to not harass, assault, or rape women. Imagine men feel just one fraction of the fear that we feel on a daily basis, or at the minimum, discomfort. They could stand to learn a thing or two from that fear. So do we feel different now? Like, is it different 27 years on? I mean, this Anita Hill stuff really galvanized women and they started going for elected office. And But 27 years later, it's still here on a mass, mass scale. Men are still basically just as entitled as they were and behave in very similar ways yeah. than they did back then. So we didn't eradicate it then. Yeah, we're not, we've not eradicated it we yet. We haven't eradicated it yet. Um, do we feel it's different? Um... I feel like I, I feel like it's the it's still the beginning of the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, to be honest. And again, to come back to Tarana Burke, um, she 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 said something that I I wrote it down. Did I write it down? Sorry. Um, she said something that I I thought was really she she puts it always in a really really great way. She said in May of this year she was um, on the the Trevor Noah show, uh, and she said a true culture shift has let, has yet to occur in the wake of Me Too. I think that we have seen a culture starting to move in a different direction, but a true culture shift won't happen until we are re-socialized about how we think about sexual violence and how we engage with each other and how we talk to each other, and it's like that's. That has that takes a lot of unlearning for a lot of people higher up the chain. Mm. And I am excited about the youth and I'm excited about the future mm. because I do think you're less likely, I, I do think you're less likely to see actors of maybe our generation, hopefully touch wood, come out, you know, and that's something that Tarana Burke said as well. She was like, you know, people are, are reacting to the Me Too movement as if it's a whack-a-mole of powerful men or famous men, as if we're just waiting for the next one to topple. It's not about bringing down, you know, powerful men. It's about listening however to... However satisfying However satisfying it is. It's about listening to survivors. And if they do get pulled down in that, well, that's that's it then, isn't it? You know, that's 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 justice but that's our culture saying we're, exactly we're finally. not going to tolerate it anymore and something you said you know in, a, in our in our first you know podcast about me too in our first podcast was that you thought that this came out of a place of solidarity which uh, between women and that is something that i think is gen is mm. in 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 general culture which is there's a big backlash on the on the right against oh they yes the kids have been raised to be really nice but now no free speech which is bollocks um we've realized as well that you know pitting us against each other was a weapon of the patriarchy mm. and a very clever one and yeah if we we're still kind of like listening to each other still listening you know pulling up people who have experienced this and and that's made this context for for yeah for, for change really yeah it's it's always that divide and rule it's yeah you know capitalism at its most successful is essentially just an amalgamation of uh, colonialist tactics it's always divide the people d- divide them so they're not in any way like a solid cohesive group who can you know, advocate for rights and advocate for better working conditions. Like you have to divide them and whether that's on the lines of gender, whether it's on the lines of race, whether it's, you know, on the lines of sexuality, like you divide those people because if you divide them, they're so much easier to manage. And I think that, you know, how terrifying is it for the older generation to see younger men stand up in solidarity with their 
with with their women Mm -hmm. you know stand up in solidarity and say like yes like i don't behave like this and i won't behave like this in the future because i think there is also like a little bit of a sort of um you, you know like a there tends to be a tendency of these me too cases to involve men over a certain age yeah and I think that that just really sort of says a lot about the fact that sexual assault and sexual abuse and um, sexual misconduct tends to be something about power. Yeah. And the older a man gets, the less attractive he is to younger women, but the more he wants those younger women and the less he can get those younger women, but the higher up in the food chain he is, the more entitled he feels to abuse that, to abuse that position in order to get what he wants. And I think that basically in our generation there's going to be a holding hands together with those men and they're going to say to us i will not be in 10 years your abuser Mm -hmm. and i will not abuse your children Mm -hmm. and i will not abuse your younger sister Mm -hmm. and i will not abuse the people who come after you Mm -hmm. and that's what's so terrifying to the ones on top yeah because they want they want the next generation to be the abusers because then if the next generation's abusers then they'll allow those crimes to you know die with with old age yeah yeah but no more no more no more well said so i did get some numbers for you pip and Thank you. um here are some here are some good numbers so 2018 the year of the woman in american politics so a record number of women running for public office higher way higher than in 1992 390 women are planning to run for the House of Representatives. Uh, 49 women are likely to be running for the Senate, which is a 68% increase um, for the same number in 2014. Wow. At the same time. And 79 women are running for governorship, which is well, and well over half of those are Democrats. Nice. So the future (laughs) looks good. Female. Yeah. As long as we as Gilead doesn't happen in between well yeah this is it so what's the best way to fix a broken system take it over so so yeah listen everyone really 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 pushing for uh, more listeners if you um you know if you know someone who you think oh like so and so would like this or so and so listens to podcasts i know sometimes it can be a b- uphill battle um uh, because some people don't listen to podcasts but if you do think oh so and so listens and they would really enjoy this could you maybe share like and share on facebook at sistrionics at sistrionics twitter account sistrionics podcast sorry um nearly it nearly a good number of twitter <laughs> followers i'm trying really hard with the tweeting she's doing really well so if you could um follow us there that would be great and, and instagram as well that's my domain be on the instagram be on the instagram and um and yeah so um stay tuned loves and uh we'll see we'll speak to you soon this has been sistrionics, sistrionics.